Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Once again, good morning. It's a great weekend for the ladies' conference. It coincided with the NFL draft. I got a lot of nothing done this weekend. <laughs> um, as you noticed in the uh, church news, I want to remind you that this Wednesday night is um, first Wednesday. And before you hit the polls, I want to encourage you to stop by uh, this Wednesday. And we're going we're gonna to talk about some things and to figure out how to discern the hour and the times that we are in. How many have enjoyed this series that we've been doing? The series has been called Free You or Freedom University, as we're calling it. And our heart in this series is just to share with you how we get freedom in areas of our life that requires some progressive freedom. And so hopefully it's been helping you. The Bible says in the book of John, it says this, if you remain in the word or you remain consistent in the word and under the word of God, there's something that's going to happen. You're going to come to know the word of God. It actually is the word for intimacy, that you will know the word, which is the truth, and the truth that you are discerning and discovering is going to do something in your life. It's going to set you up. So a lot of people say that all the time. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But it says this right before it. If you remain in the word of God, then the word of God is going to remain in you. Then you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. The word free means it will liberate you from something that has had you limited, but it also liberates you to believe and behave how you want to. I mean, that's a cool scripture. Jesus, Jesus said that. Um, and so we've talked about how to get freedom in our, with our words, with our thinking, and in our heart. And I've got a good one for you this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you to stick with me. I'm going to teach you and say some things. And if you have, if you have religious, a religious background, your brain's going to hurt for a moment, but it's going to set you free. Thank you for the excitement. <laughs> I would like to start off by saying this. How many of you would agree with this statement, there's a real devil to deal with? But let me make a statement right along with that. Do you know that although there's a real devil, that there's another area that you have to exercise authority over as much as you do the devil? That's your own flesh. Sometimes the devil gets too much credit. He gets too much spotlight. And sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes, guess what it is? It's our flesh. So it would be appropriate to say that sometimes we have as much trouble with our flesh as we do the devil. Y'all with me so far? So we're going to talk about uh, that this morning. And you've heard me teach this before, but according to the Bible, when uh, man was created, he was created to be three-dimensional. What that means is that you are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. The spirit is the born-again part of you. It's the eternal part of you. Um, you also have a soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you have a body or a physical body that you live in. Now, when you were created, you've got to get this principle because this is going to set us up for this teaching this morning. When you were created, your soul was made to serve your spirit. What's your soul? It's your mind, your will, it's your emotions. It was made to serve your spirit. And your flesh was created to serve your soul. I'm going to say that again. Your flesh was designed to serve your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And your soul 
was designed to serve your spirit. But when Adam and Eve fell, we exchanged revelation about our spirit for information coming from our flesh. So it works backwards now. Your flesh is often ruling your mind, will, and emotions, and your mind, will, and emotions often rule your spirit. Y'all got that? So in other words, instead of being driven by the revelation of your spirit, we often live by the information that our flesh sends us. That's why we give in to impulses. That's why we face the challenges, conditions, situations, because we're taking our cues, if you will, from our flesh and its desires instead of our life taking its cues and its direction from our spirit. Everybody say, aha. Now we're getting there. No one probably ever told you that before. So what God wants to do is set us free from that pattern and reestablish the pattern that he created in our lives. And so we have this issue of our flesh. Let me, let me prove that to you. This is Galatians chapter 5, a few verses. Everything I just said, keep that in mind, that we're often ruled by our flesh and its information. Because your flesh sends you information. You ever notice that? Um, that's why the Bible says there's this challenge between the spiritual stuff and the flesh stuff in your lives. Galatians says this, the behavior of the self-life, which we just talked about, it's obvious, and it starts listing things, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, the hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. So what the Bible says, here's a list of things that we produce in our lives because of our flesh, and it lists things, and it says, and all other things. So it makes it pretty obvious. The end of the verse says this, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? So let's explain this verse. This verse is saying this to us. It was written to the church in uh, the, the Galatians, and, and it's saying this, that there are practices. It's not the word for, this is uh, not the word for a mistake. This is a word for a pattern, uh, habits, or sinful routines. And the Bible lists these, and it says, if we're going to practice those, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't say the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a place we go. It's where God's throne is. The kingdom of God is the powerful realm of God's kingdom here on earth. Those are two different things. So what the Bible is saying to us, if we're practicing those things, living in those habitual patterns, it doesn't say we won't go to heaven, but it says we will not fully experience the power of God's kingdom realm right here, right now. I was asked a question lately um, from, some, from somebody that uh, they had heard a sermon where someone was preaching that, uh, in a church that if you committed a, a, a certain sin, you weren't going to heaven. And they asked me what I thought about that. And I said, well, since when is getting to heaven our goal? I know you're thinking, uh, I'm not going to answer that. 
Because getting to heaven is a gift from God that you receive when you put faith in Jesus. You can't get you to heaven. The only way you can get you to heaven, and if you're a believer and you've confessed Christ, you're going to heaven. So heaven's not the goal. Surrendering is the goal. You can't get you to heaven. Your faith in Jesus is what's going to get you to heaven. That's a done deal. If you're a believer. So your goal is not to get to heaven. Your goal now is obedience. It's surrender to Jesus. There's a difference. Are y'all hearing me? And so the Bible is saying this, that if we live by these patterns and these habits, it's going to keep, keep the kingdom realm, the power of God, the blessing of God from really operating in our lives here and now. Jesus getting you to heaven. But these are things that won't keep us from heaven as believers. These used to be your practices. Unfortunately, sometimes these practices still happen in the lives of a believer. Y'all still with me? I want to make you got to stay tuned in this morning. Okay, I'm going to really help you in a minute, but you, you, have to, you have to trek with me here for a moment. So these are things that happen in our flesh. So what I want to talk about for the next few moments is getting freedom in our flesh. And it's one of these things that there has to be a progressive thing in our lives. I can't just lay hands on you and be like, deliver from your flesh. Now, I believe I can lay hands on you and God can do anything here, but you have to learn how to walk those things out as you walk out those doors. Why do you believe it? Because Jesus said so. He said, if you stay under the word of God, you will come to discover truth that will set you free. And I'm a firm believer that God wants you set free in your mouth, your mind, your heart, your flesh. Because if what I said was true, that we don't have, only have a devil to exercise authority over, we also have flesh that we have to exercise authority over. Is anyone in here, let's just take a survey. Have you ever experienced what Paul said? He said something like this. He sees this pull to his flesh going on in him. And sometimes it's so strong, Paul actually said, woe am I. But he said, but I understand this other spiritual principle and I see it working in me. It's the, it's the principle of spirit and life. But he said, I often have this battle between the flesh and the spirit. In other words, let's say it this way, to do the right thing, but sometimes my flesh wants to do something that's not so right. Has anybody ever felt that challenge? So for those of you who raised your hand, I'm talking to the right crowd. The rest of you, you're spiritual giants. You never experienced this. Y'all can take a nap. You can slip out. Whatever you need to do. But for the rest of us, there are some things the Bible actually says that I believe we need to do daily that will help us exercise authority over these areas of our flesh. And I do believe that there's, maybe there's an area of your flesh that you don't have um, victory in right now that a year from now you can have freedom in that area. And as usual, I got three things to say to you, right? So here's what we need to focus on every day. Number one, surrender to God. I'm telling you, if you can do these three things, you will find yourself every day. What, what do you and I need to do? Surrender to God. Why do we need to do that? Because we have a tendency to live a self-life. We need to surrender to God every day. You say, what does that look like? It just says this, God, I surrender to you today. I surrender my heart, my mind, my words. We, we pray that every day in the car. God, I just, we surrender our words, our thoughts, our opinions. How many know we can have wrong words, wrong thoughts, and we can have some wrong opinions? 
And there's just, there's an opportunity waiting somewhere during your day to manifest the chance for you to blow it or to have victory. So every day we need to surrender. Actually, I will tell you this, that surrender is where freedom starts. That's the starting part, point to freedom, and that's surrender. Look what Romans says. Romans chapter 12, first, first two verses. Beloved friends, so Paul's talking to us, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? To surrender yourself. What is your proper response? What is my proper response just to the goodness of God? Has God been good to anybody in here? If he wouldn't have saved you, is there anyone in here that you may not be breathing right now? Is there anyone in here that the mercy and the grace of God took you at your messed up stage, did a miracle, and turned you into a man or a woman of God? You're blown away by who you are today because of the goodness of God. So what's our proper response? The Bible says that we surrender ourselves to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights the heart of God. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So what Paul was saying, what our proper response to the goodness of God is to lay our lives down and surrender them every day. It goes on and says, stop imitating all of the ideals and opinions of the culture that's around us. But on the inside, be transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So we surrender ourselves as a living sacrifice so we can live the way that God wants us to live. And by surrendering to him, we're letting him transform us and change us from the inside out by the way we're thinking. What we're saying is we're laying our stinking thinking down for God to alter our thinking. Because we become soul men and soul women instead of spirit men and spirit women. So we've got to lay that part down in our lives on a daily basis. And the Bible says if we do that, it's going to empower you and me to discern. Everyone say discern. Or understand what the will of God is as you live a beautiful life that's satisfying and that is perfect in his eyes. If you want to see yourself, as I do, free in areas of our flesh, because we, we just got some flesh. There was a moment where you got saved, but have you ever noticed that your flesh didn't get saved? All right. You're a believer. You're, you're born again. You're a Christ follower. Since you've become a Christ follower, have you ever had a struggle since then? Have you ever sinned since then? Have you ever thought wrong since then? Do you ever wonder if it didn't take? <laughs> well, the Bible says your spirit man is born again. But you and I have something we have to deal with, and that's our thoughts, and that's our flesh. So how do we get victory in that area? The Bible says every day your proper response is to put your life at the disposal of God. And the God who saved you is also the God who can sanctify you. What I mean by that is he saved your, 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 your spirit. You are not going to hell. You're on your way to heaven. But he didn't only just do that. He's changing you. 
Because he knows as you are, you can't go to the next level. So what he wants to do is, guess what? Change the things in you to liberate you from those things so you can elevate your life. The Bible says he takes you from one level of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. He wants to, but there's some things existing right now that cannot exist on the next level of glory. So God's so good, you know what he does? He has this way of, of, uh, of, if we let him, of working these things and pulling these things out of our life and changing our desires and altering us. How many have ever experienced that? Because if you could do it on your own, you would have already done it. You need him. You, you, you can't do this on your own. You couldn't save you and you can't sanctify you. But what you can do is surrender you. You want to be big in the eyes of God? Bow before God. So just start surrendering areas of your life. Start surrendering the areas of your hurts, your wounds, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your opinions. What could God do with your life if you would just surrender your opinions? Some, anyway, I've got a lot of opinions. And I think I'm right about most of them. <laughs> That's where my problem is. <laughs> but we form these opinions from things we go through, perspectives we have, etc. Our opinions need to be formed by the Word of God. And the Bible said, if you and I can surrender ourselves and let God change our stinking thinking, He can change our opinions, He can change our perspective, then we'll know the will of God, the, the will of God that satisfies Him. Don't you just want to satisfy Jesus? There's some opinions you have, not you, but the person next to you. There's some opinions you have. I just want you to know that opinion stinks. I have some opinions that stink. If it's not the same opinion that God has, guess whose opinion is wrong? It's not God's. The moment you say, well, I'll tell you what I think. If it's not what God thinks, it don't matter what you think. I mean, that's just the truth. Well, this is what I, if it's not what God thinks, because you might be thinking wrong. When you think wrong, you choose wrong, you go in the wrong direction. That's why the Bible says every day, we just need to lay this stuff down. We need to surrender every day. How, how, how many got that? So when you get up in the morning, I want you to start doing this in the morning. I, Lord, I, I, I'm surrendering my thoughts, my opinions. It, it'll actually make your marriage a little better. I heard someone say, you know what marriage is? It's death to self. That's what it is. You, you know why? It, it, don't look around. And you might even have a good marriage, but how many have ever had an argument with your spouse? Unless someone just did something really dumb. Usually it's an argument over what? Opinions. Is it not? Me and my wife are very strong-willed. That's a Jesus way of saying we're extremely stubborn about our opinions. But I've noticed whenever we get our opinions on the same page as God's opinions, there's a lot more harmony in the house. And it works in every area of our life. So every day, what do we do? How do we get free from these areas of flesh? If some of these areas may have felt like chains in your life, some of these things that, that, we, that we read through may seem like bondages and, and chains and restrictions that have been there for a while. Here's how you start getting free from that. I start surrendering. Second thing, number two, you ready for this? You stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
you and I begin to not only surrender to God, but we stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I'm responsible. See, there, there's some responsibility that you have in this freedom thing. And the first thing is, is to surrender. The second thing is, is to stay very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let, let's work on this for a moment. Um, let's go on in Galatians, but let's go to, um, let's go a few verses uh, before that. This is in verse 16. It says this, let me emphasize this as you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. How do we begin to abandon our flesh in the self-life? Look what the Bible says. We yield to the Holy Spirit. That's another way of saying we stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit because we've been extra sensitive to our flesh and its cravings and its desires and its wants and its opinions and its perspectives. But the Bible says now what do we need to do? Yield. Everyone say yield. yield. It goes on and says when your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. Isn't that cool? So we need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not to the cravings of our self-life. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be under the law, but you will soar above it. God wants you to begin to soar above these things in your life. Now, the moment that you became a Christ follower, or uh, you, be, you were born again, or you became saved, the Bible said you started doing something in your life. You started living in the Spirit at that moment. You went from living in the flesh to living life in the Spirit. Before Jesus, you could not live the things of the Spirit. You were incapable of doing it. You might have had a couple good moments, but you could not produce spiritual things in your life because your spirit man was not alive to God. That's why you made the choices you made, went to places you went, did the things you did, and had the results that you had. But now, you're alive to live the things of the Spirit. So the moment of salvation, you started living in the Spirit. It was different. Anyone remember that? You had some different desires. Some, some changes happened. But there's also what the Bible calls not just living in the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit. Those are two different things. You are now in a new life, a new creation, but now you walk in the Spirit every day. That's why every day we're yielding to God. We're submitting to God. So before Jesus, and some of these carried over to post-Jesus, you lived in some habits and some patterns and some routines of the flesh. But if you stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will do something in your life. He will help lead you into different patterns, different routines, different ways of living. It's called walking in the spirit. Let me read you another couple verses. Galatians chapter 5. Keep the, uh, verse 24. Keep this in mind that we who belong to Jesus have already experienced a crucifixion. Everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and it was crucified with the Messiah. 
If the Spirit is the source of our life now, we must allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. The Holy Spirit is so cool. Look at him this way. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all what? Truth. He's your tour guide. And when we stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will lead you out of old territory and lead you into new territory. I don't know if you've ever been on a, a trip or something and you had a tour guide. One time I was in Guatemala and we were uh, at, at, at um, the Patin in the jungle and we went to these Mayan ruins and there was a group of us, we were on a mission trip and they, the guy that uh, was the missionary said, I'm, I'm going to um, get you guys a really, really good tour guide. And he gave us the most excited, intense, and overly informed tour guide I've ever met. <laughs> so we're walking around, we're looking at things, we're, we're, we're touring all the, these ancient ruins, and every few feet they would stop and tell us about a plant, or a species, or a rock. This is like the tour of all tours. Just Sometimes, you know what I wanted to say? Just turn me loose, let me walk around, I'll find it myself. And we get that way sometimes in life. I'll just figure this out myself. I'll just do this myself. When we need a tour guide. And what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll lead you out of the old territory of your flesh. And he will lead you into new territory, which is the life of the Spirit. Now, I read to you a moment ago the practices of the flesh. And then, I'm not going to read it, but if you would read on, it says what the Holy Spirit will do is produce fruit in your life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Which what that really is... It, it's the character of God in you being produced. But have you ever read that list? I mean, he's got stuff on there like immorality, hatred, murder. But what the Holy Spirit will do is produce like gentleness in you. It just didn't seem like that list to me was like competitive. I'm like, murder, gentleness? Until I started just reading this, I want you to listen to this. this. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. He will lead you out of those habits and patterns into some new habits and patterns, and he will, he will do this in your life. This is shout-worthy. Matter of fact, if you've ever seen him do this in your life, you, you can say amen, mm, uh -huh, do something like that, okay? So he will lead you from fear into love. These, he, will, he will stop Fear will stop being produced in your life because he's going to produce this spirit and this fruit of love in your life. He will also lead you out of depression into joy because he's your tour guide. He's going to lead you out of the things of the flesh into the things of the spirit. He will lead you out of anxiety into peace. He's going to start producing, think about this, instead of anxiety flowing from your life, he's going to start producing peace in your life. Instead of tormenting produce, uh, being produced out of your life, the Holy Spirit's going to begin to produce patience in our life. Instead of selfishness, kindness. Instead of corruption, goodness. Instead of unfaithfulness or unbelief, he's going to produce faith in our life. Instead of anger, gentleness. Instead of lawlessness, self-control. So what is it? We're talking about being free from our flesh. Every day I need to surrender to God and stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit because he's going he's gonna to change the fruit in my life. He's going to take your corrupt areas and produce goodness. He's going to take the depression of your life and turn it into joy, the torment and turn it into peace, the lawlessness and produce self-control. 
where you used to control yourself, guess what? He's going to change your behavior. But we've got to stay sensitive to him because he'll lead us out of those patterns and those routines, and he's going to lead us into some new patterns and some new routine. Isn't that awesome? So where's this start? This starts with every day, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to stop. It's not about me and my flesh and my wants. and my. I'm going to surrender every day, every morning. You might even have to go back there by noontime. But I'm going to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit because he'll lead me out of that stuff. He'll lead me out of that addiction. He'll lead me out of that failure. He'll lead me out of that state and that phase. And he'll lead me into the fruit and the character of God. Here's the last thing. Isn't this good? Surrender, stay sensitive. Number three is subdue your flesh. Subdue your flesh. You and I are responsible to bring our flesh into submission. Actually, I read a a nicer translation, but a lot of the translations say this. Crucify your flesh. I mean, that's, that's, that's an intense word. Here's why the Bible says that, because if we leave your flesh alone, your flesh is obsessive and it's addictive. Have you ever noticed that about your flesh? It doesn't just want a little bit, it gets addicted. It doesn't want just some, it's obsessive. It's how our flesh works, especially in the country we live in. Obsessive, addiction, that's just how we are in our flesh, if it's left unchecked and if it's not subdued, we will obsess and we will, we will be addictive, addicted to things. We have those problems prevalent in our culture. When God's saying, listen, surrender every day, stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit and subdue your flesh. I'm going to read you a few verses. Y'all ready? Romans chapter six. Let's go back to Romans. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? We were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to the power of sin. You got to hear me. The Bible is saying that when Jesus was crucified, we were co-crucified with with him. Verse 7. Obviously... A dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished, vanquished death and its power over him and it's finished. Verse 10, for by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but he now lives continuously for the father's pleasure. Verse 11, look at this. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Let me finish these verses and I will explain that. Verse 12, sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and its cravings. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to the one, to him As one who has now experienced resurrection life, you live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purposes. 
That's a lot. Can I just help break that down for you? The Bible says this, Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again. We just celebrated Easter. The Bible said we were co-crucified with him. What that means is your sin died with him. When he came back to life, spiritual life was now resurrected for you. So the Bible says this, now consider the same for you. Okay, so some of your translations say something like this, the redneck version. It says, so reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Consider yourself, account yourself dead to sin, alive to God. We have a problem with that because we account ourselves alive to our flesh, but not alive to the things of the spirit. Now, remember where we started this thing. The soul was made to serve the spirit and the flesh was made to serve the soul. But what we're facing because of the fall of man is that our flesh is giving us information that our soul is buying into when Jesus created us to be the other thing. So what do we have to do? We have to consider the opposite of how God created us. I consider myself dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. You were not alive to God before. You've got to reckon yourself. Account yourself that you're alive to God and that you are dead to sin. Now, listen to this statement. Look at someone and say, it's about to be good. You can overcome the power of your flesh and the power of sin. You, you can. You know why? Because God said so. I'm going to go talk to these guys. You can overcome those areas of your flesh. You know why? Because God said so. God said so. In other words, God never demands something from you that he does not provide you with. He will never demand something from your life that he has not provided or given you the provision for. Now, I want you to think right now while you're sitting here, an area of your flesh that has maybe continually had you bound or limited. And I want you to think about the power of that. I want you to think about the discouragement of that. I want you to think about the torment of that. I want you to think about the frustration with that. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to it. I'm dead to that. You say, well, it doesn't feel like it. No, according to Jesus, reckon yourself not on your ability, but on what Jesus did on the cross. Okay. So victory over your flesh, victory over its lusts, victory over its passions, all of that was provided by Christ. He provided that for your life. Now listen to this. What you and I have to do is simply appropriate by faith what he did for us, and not self-effort. By faith, you need to start believing and saying, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin, I'm, I'm dead to that addiction, I'm alive to God. I'm dead to pornography, I'm alive to God. I'm dead to hatred, I'm alive to God. I'm dead to depression, I'm alive to God. Now listen, even if you don't feel it, you need to say it. You appropriate it, not by your feelings, but by your faith. If you blow it, you know what needs to come out of your mouth? God, I'm sorry for that. I'm dead to that sin. I'm alive to God. I'm going to overcome. I'm not saying, oh, here, that, that, that thing's got an addiction in my life, and I'm this, and I'm that. No, the redeemed of the Lord, they talk redemption. Just because you feel free or don't feel free is not an accomplished fact. The accomplished fact is Jesus on the cross, and the only way you can confirm it is what you say out of your mouth. I'm dead to that sin. I'm alive to that area of my flesh is dead. I'm alive to God. I'm alive to God. I'm, are are y'all with me? 
told you I'm going to make your religious brain hurt for a moment. I mean, let me say something else. I'm going to help you. Ready? Land this plane. Um, I worded it this way. Sin management is short-sighted. You know what I mean by that? We try to deny ourselves, our own areas. Is that an important thing? Yes. But the mo- you ever notice the more you deny yourself something, the more you think about it? Has any of you ever tried a little bit of diet at the first of the year? <laughs> and you found a diet that you thought would work for you? And what you were trying to figure out is not how much can I exercise or do things like that. The first thing you wanted to know is what can't I have? It may be sweets or pizza. Have you ever noticed that the only thing you think about when you can't have sweets and pizza is Sweets and pizza. You ever notice every commercial on TV? Guess what it's about? Sweets and pizza. So living the life of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is not what you're denying. It's life patterns, routine, following the Holy Spirit. It's being obsessed with the things of God and less focused on the things of your flesh. So what we try to do is sin management. In our own effort, we try to deny things and we try to um, take control over these things. And it, it becomes performance ambition. How many know it doesn't work? It doesn't work. Would you agree? So listen to this statement. Are your brains okay? Listen to this statement. Our belief about sin, not sin, is actually what challenges us. Our belief about sin, not sin, is actually what challenges us. So we need to think and say what God thinks and says about sin, about our flesh. Our belief about sin, not sin itself, is what challenges us. Because some of us don't think we can live free from it. Some of us don't think we have authority over it. Some of us don't think we'll ever be um, liberated from it. Some of us think it's been there for so long, it's area of my flesh, there's no overcome. We, we, we think the wrong way. We're thinking about it instead of the freedom God has given us. So it's not the actual, because the Bible said it died with Jesus when he died in the grave. Is it true that your sin was put on the shoulders of Jesus? So when he died and went to hell, guess what? Your sin died and went to hell. And he came up resurrected. Death, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, every demonic spirit of death and all of that could not keep him in the grave. Your sin couldn't keep him in the grave. He came out of the grave and he resurrected. So guess what? The Bible said you recognize what he did. The power of sin in your life, the power of flesh in your life, the power of those habits in your life died when Jesus died. And the power to live free of those things came alive when Jesus resurrected and you embraced him as Savior. That same belief to trust him as Savior is the same belief and power to live free of these areas of flesh. And probably in your life, in my life, you don't have new sin. But you got some residue from yesterday. You got some memory of yesterday. You got some you got some residue left over. That's why the Bible says, be renewed in your thinking. Your mind, your will, your emotions, being led by your flesh. Let's let it be led by the Spirit. 
So how do you do that? This is all good, Pastor. This is all good. That I'm fired up. But but how 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 do I how do I get free? If you're saying it's just not about denying it, it's actually about focusing on this. You ready for this? I think we have a screen. I'm going to put it up here. This is what we focus on to subdue our flesh. Who we are in Jesus. Who you are in Jesus. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. I am dead to sin. I'm alive. Even if you blow it, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. I know who I am in Jesus. I am redeemed. I am set free. I am born again. Why'd you have to be born again? Because you were born once in the flesh. You're born again in the spirit. I know this is a lot for a Sunday morning. Are you trekking with me? This is what we focus on to subdue our flesh. Who I am in Jesus. And look what letter B. Grace is God's power for change. Grace isn't just you not going to hell. Grace is the empowering goodness of God. The goodness of God is what will change you. The grace of God is what will alter you. When you collide with grace, everything changes. And the same grace that saved you is the same grace that sustains you, that changes you, that alters you, that builds the, the, faith, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit inside of you. How many know we need grace and the love of God? If you focus on who you are in Jesus, the power of his grace and his love, listen to me, listen to the last statement. With time and grace, you will find freedom in that area of your life. Now, I'm not downplaying its effect. I'm just saying, if you could do it by just you and yourself, your management of that sin, it would already be free in your life. You cannot do it. You need to surrender every day, stay very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit because he'll lead you out of it and subdue your flesh. Here's how you subdue your flesh. I identify with who I am in Jesus. You are not who you used to be. The Bible said you are a brand new creation. That literally means in the Greek, you are a species that did not exist before. Before you couldn't get free. Now, freedom is your MO. You, you're not who you used to be. You're a brand new creature. There are things that were in your family line that guess what? You can get free of those things. Why? Because you're a new creation. He put his name, stamped it on you. Doesn't matter what your name was before. Are y'all hearing me? But you've got to identify with that. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can be what he says I can be. I can have what he says I can be. Who you are in Jesus. You are redeemed. Come on, somebody. You are redeemed. You are free. That's what he says about you. Well, I don't feel that way. Or, well, I, 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 I messed up. I said something. I did something. But who are you in him? He's bigger than your mess up. He's bigger than your stumble. He's, he's bigger than your down day. He's bigger than you. When you're at your very best, remember who you are in him. When you're at your very worst, remember who you are in him. And lean into the power of his grace. That's what will alter you. That's what will change you. And rely on his love. Did y'all get something good? I, I just wanted you to know this morning that it's not about how good you think you can make you or how good you could perform to impress God. What moves God is when you put your faith in his work, his grace, and his love, not your performance. Your performance will never free you. Can we stand?